I want to start off with a, an inspirational faith story. Really quick story. It seems that two men, two different kind of men, got stranded on an island after a shipwreck. One man was a very kind of positive kind of fellow, and the other one was a negative kind of guy. And almost as soon as they were shipwrecked on the island, every day he would say, Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die of thirst. We're going to die of hunger. No one's ever going to rescue us. It was always the same story every day. The other man pretty much was just kind of leaning against a palm tree every day, just smiling, just seemed peaceful, content. Finally, this got to the guy who was always complaining. He just... It was just bugging him so much. He says, why are you smiling? Why aren't you worried? He goes, I make $100,000 a day, whether I'm in the office or not. The guy said, so? What does that have to do with us? We're, we're trapped on the island. How is you making $100,000 a day going to help us? He goes, well, like I said, I make $100,000 a day, whether or not I'm in the office or not. And I also tied 10% on that $100,000 a day. So I know my pastor is going to find me. So, wouldn't you like a faith like that? And if any of you start making $100,000 a day, we have to talk, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. We thank you for the weather. We know that you will protect us, our coming and our going. We thank you, Father, that you brought us here today because you want to say something to us about your heart, your character, who you are for us and in us. So we pray again that you would empty me of me so that you can speak through me and that you would open up all our hearts, all our spirits and everything that needs to be opened up in order to receive all that you have for us. We need you. We declare our great need of you. And there is no shame in that. To be needy of you. What freedom. What mercy. What grace. To be needy of you. Father, we thank you for that. And we ask that you will speak through this word that you're given. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is part two of a link of faith. A collision between faith and fear. Last week we learned a couple of things. I just want to sum up real quick. That faith is not currency. But it is an investment. It's something that we invest in and with our lives, with the way we walk with him, how we follow the king. Faith is also not blind. We can see our path. You know, that Psalm 119, 105 said that uh, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So we can see where we're going. It is promised. And that we jump out of darkness into the light. Okay? We, faith is relational. Our faith comes from knowing God. His character, who he is. And we also learned that this amazing creature called an impala can jump 10 feet in the air and 30 feet in length at the same time. Yet this impala can be easily contained by putting a three-foot high fence around him because an impala will not jump where he cannot see. So a fence, a small fence can keep it in a impala cage. And that fear of being, not being able to see where, where he can jump keeps him Caged and in captivity. And unfortunately for, for the human heart, fear works on the, the same way. And a leap of faith involves a collision between faith and fear. So when I say the word collision, what do you think of? What words come to mind? Car accident. What else? Anything. Pain? 
What? Meteor hit me. <laughs> Meteor hit Well, that could be a pretty bad collision. <laughs> Depending on where it hits. There's a few places I would like it to hit, but that's beside the point. Anybody else? Any other words come to mind? Pain or drama, trauma. The word collision doesn't invoke a very nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, does it? It really doesn't. Crash, violent, conflict, pain comes to mind. See, a collision will either shape you or misshape you. Maybe both. And your reaction to a collision says a lot about your character, about who you are. A response to faith and fear can reveal our heart, our fault lines, and our view of Father God. And that revelation can either free us or freeze us. That revelation of, of seeing God, who, you know, it's either going to free us or it's going to freeze us, depending on how we react to faith or to fear. So this collision between faith and fear is very important for us. Now, I was horrible at physics in, in, in high school. Okay? I, you know, I didn't understand much of what's going on, but... Physics is, is, is really fascinating. And the definition of collision is, is just mind-bogglingly beautiful, if you just listen to this. An event in which two or more bodies or particles come together, which is a nice way of saying crashing into, with a resulting change of direction and normally energy. So a collision between two things results in a change of direction and or energy. So that's what happens when faith and fear collide. There is, there is something that happens that changes our direction or changes our, and our energy. Impact us in a way that causes us to freeze again or to, or, or to be free, depending on how we react to it. Because fear and faith both impact and both require a response to that impact. And that Response will determine the change of our direction and our energy, where we are going and what we will invest in. Okay, remember saying that faith is an investment. There is a word in the Old Testament that's used for faith. Almost every place that you read the word faith in the Old Testament is this beautiful, powerful word. And if you can grab a hold of this meaning, I think it's going to change the way that you look at faith from this day on. I know when I started to look at this, this revelation of this word has impacted my faith and is impacting my faith even to this, this moment. The word is imuna. Imuna. Imuna, like when we say faith, we can come up with a couple of definitions, but really it's kind of constrained to those few words. Listen to the beauty of this word, imuna. The word means a committed faithfulness to the Lord. It is not seen as a blind leap of faith trying to believe in something that has no experience or track record. What it is is a passionate devotion because you know the source. In our case, that source is Father God and the promises that that source has made. The word immunia also contains the idea of steadfastness or persistence. In Exodus 17, there's the story of Moses raising his hand while the Israelites were involved in the battle. And as long as his arms were raised, the Israelites were winning the day. He says that his, his arms were steadfast. That word is a His arms were faithful. They kept up. 
They stayed up. He needed a little help from his brothers a little while on because he, was, he got tired. But that also is a beautiful picture of how the body of Christ works together. But he was faithful to keeping his arms up. He was immuna, faithful, steadfast. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. The word is immuna. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. God himself is immuna, is faithful. God is faith just like he is love, just like he is grace, just like he is mercy, just like he is righteous, just like he is holy. God is immuna, he is faith. And that example of faith, this is why... This word immunity is a circular thing. It is, it is something because we're connected to God. It is a give and take in the sense of God gives us the example. We take it and run with it, and we give it back to him. It's a beautiful picture of relational faith. So simply put, immuna is faith that is loyal to the core of that relationship between us and God. It is a faith-based relationship not just on the miracles not just on the promises not just on the experiences although all those things are important in this walk of faith so faith itself is not based on what god would do it's based on who god is see it's not based on just what he'll do we, we have experiences with God. We have faith with God because we know of his faithfulness, what he's done in the past. But our faith is not based just on those things. It's based on who he is. If you wouldn't mind, go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to look at this story that we, all of us have probably read a couple dozen times maybe in our lifetime. The story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. Because you want to talk about a leap of faith. You've got to read this story again. This story is awesome. This story is such a powerful story about a, a taking a step, a leap of faith, and trusting God with the outcome. It's a huge story here. We're not going to read all of it, but I'm going to give you a little backstory. The Philistines are pretty much in control of Israel at this point. They have not allowed the uh, Israelites to make weapons for themselves. So basically, Saul, the king of Israel at that time, raises an army of about 600 guys. That sounds pretty impressive, but they only got two swords in between all those 600 guys. Okay? The rest of the, what they're armed with are basically farming implements. You know, some whatever they farmed with back then. Rakes, I don't know. But that doesn't sound very dangerous. But anyway, they're about to go into battle with the Philistines and with only two swords uh, between them. This is not shaping up to be a very long battle for the Israelites. Maybe they know this. Maybe they know this. So King Saul decides what he's going to do. He's just going to chill out in a cave somewhere. You know, that's how he's going to handle the situation. His son Jonathan has a different, a different take on, on what needs to happen. And so he has this great speech in verse 6. And it says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Now, a garrison of soldiers, a garrison is basically a place where soldiers guard. It could be a hundred soldiers in there. It could be thousands of soldiers in there. It doesn't say how many soldiers are actually in this garrison. But there's certainly enough to scare the Israelite army, which is 600 strong, 
And it's certainly more than two guys. So this is a pretty fortified area. What amazes me about this story, too, is that Jonathan has some of the strangest battle strategy that I think I've ever heard about. I am relatively sure that West Point does not study his strategy. uh, I'm pretty sure. He is outnumbered. He is outgunned. Because now there's only one sword between two guys. The enemy hides the high ground. They're up on a a cliff, mostly, on this pass between two, two cliffs. He's got to travel about three miles to get there. And once he starts on, on this path between these two coasts, there's, there's no turning back. But we're going to see that he has no intention of turning back. So he says, um, uh, and I, see, I think the armor bearer is taking a huge, uh, even a bigger step of uh, leap of faith than, than even Jonathan did. Because listen to this. It may be that the Lord would love us. There's some scriptures, uh, I think the, uh, King James says, perhaps the Lord will save us. If I'm the armor bearer, I'm looking for a little bit stronger language than that. I'm looking and saying, for sure, God is going to wipe them out. You know, the, the enemy is toast. Whatever, you know, you want to say to make you feel good. I'm thinking that the armor bearer might be wanting some stronger language there. But the wonderful thing about it is that, that that's, that's not a statement of doubt. Because listen to how he says that again. It may be that the Lord will work for us for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. John is saying it doesn't really matter how many guys we got. It's all depending on the Lord. This is all depending on God. And the armor bearer's response is beautiful. It says, and the armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. And behold, I am with you, heart and soul. So here's more of uh, Jonathan's battle strategy. He says, then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. Say, here we are. Hello. Now, the important thing about this is that most of the Israelites were hiding in caves themselves. Matter of fact, the valley that they're in means hiding. So most of the Israelites were hiding in caves or hide in hiding themselves. And matter of fact, there were some Israelites in the Philistines' camp at this point. Can you say the word traitor? There's some people saying, oh, you know what, I can see what side is winning. So we're going to go over here a little bit. They had lost faith. They had lost faith. Let's go back to their story. He says, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say... Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to him. First of all, this is an amazing statement here. He's saying, okay, if they're coming down to us, we're not backing down. This is where we're standing. We're not moving. Okay, this is, this is, this is, only a, this is a one-way trip for us. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands. And this shall be the sign to us. Wow. Wow. This is just an awesome display of faith. It's just a statement of faith because Jonathan knows that it's not by his strategy. Which we discussed it. It doesn't seem that sound. It's not about his sword because he, he only has one. It's not about the amount of men he has because he only got another guy with him. It's all about God. His statement of faith is such that he, he, you know, he doesn't know the end result as far as whether or not he's going to live or whether or not he's going to die in this encounter. But it doesn't matter to him. What he knows is that the outcome is that God is going to deliver the day. If he lives and dies, it doesn't matter to him because the outcome is still in God's hands. And the outcome is ultimately going to be victory. Because sure enough, the Philistines say, hey, yeah, come on up. We got something we want to show you. And the funny thing is, it says that Jonathan went up on his hands and knees. Now, the two cliffs have names. 
And whenever the Bible names something, it's really important, really important to kind of figure out what those names mean. And so I did. One of the names of the cliffs, because the, those cliffs on the southern side, I believe, were made of this rock that when the sun hit it, it, sh- it shined, it shone, it was bright. It lit the way through the pass. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So what looked like maybe Jonathan was caught between a rock and a hard place really wasn't because his path was lit before him. There was something meaningful about this that God pauses to name the cliffs in the middle of this to point to the fact that he will show us the way out of captivity. See, David knew that the land belonged to Israel. And he certainly wasn't going to let anyone keep it when he had an opportunity to believe God and step out and take a leap of faith. And so he does. Him and his armor bearer go up there, and we know they killed at least 20 men. Because that's what the Bible says. What happened was the Philistines started to panic. And in that, in that garrison. So they started to panic. And then it says that their army basically panicked. And they turned on themselves. Which means basically they started killing each other. Finally, what happens is, you know, Saul gets news of this. He finally gets out of the caves and engages into the battle. The people that were hiding in the caves come out of hiding all of a sudden. And say, oh, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, and they start joining the battle. And the people who had... Basically, aligned themselves with the Philistines, realized what was happening, and they turned on the Philistines. Faith inspires people. A leap of faith will inspire people. See, a leap of faith gets us out of captivity because we know the outcome is in God's hands. This is a powerful story of, of seeing God move and knowing that God was going to move. It was a leap of faith to fight for land that he couldn't clearly see, but he clearly knew God. And so it was a leap of faith that he knew he was going to land correctly. Faith can draw us out of the hiding places and out of captivity, causes us to leap those three-foot-high fences of fear. That's what Amuna faith is all about. All right, sometimes we do get the courage to make that leap. Sometimes we have great courage. God has asked us to take this great leap of faith and we do it we leap out and somewhere in between the leap and the landing is where that collision of faith versus fear happens and it's like a mid-air collision something happens we start to doubt we start to say did i do the right thing Uh, is god going to come through i don't feel him right now so maybe i made a mistake in leaping you haven't been there i've been there quite a few times Take a look at faith, and all of a sudden, I'm up there going, uh, are you still here? Did I make the right decision? That's just the reality of life. That's the reality of being a human being. But I do believe that since both faith and fear require a choice, because sometimes we human beings put more faith in our fears than we do in our actual faith with God. We actually believe fear a little bit more. Even though it's threatening and discouraging and makes us want to crawl into a cave and hide again, we believe it a little bit more. We believe it has more power over us. We put more faith in our fear than we actually put it in our walk with Jesus. So I think we need to look at stories like Jonathan and his armor bearer. 
and realize that we can always trust the outcome is in God's hands. And if we obey and do what he asks, he's going to make sure that we get to the other side. He's going to be with us all the way to the other side. He's going to help us through those rocks in a hard place and help us see our way. We know this. You know, having faith doesn't mean you don't have any fear. You can have faith and, and still be afraid of stuff. You're a human being. I'm a human being. We're, that's going to happen. We can have great faith and still be afraid of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what will we bow to? What will we surrender to in that moment? Will we surrender to our fears? Or we will surrender to faith, to God. It's always a choice. It's always a choice in faith, in that faith and fear collision. What will we bow to? What will we allow to have power over us? What will we allow to encourage us or discourage us? It's always our choice. Jonathan had a choice, and he chose to believe, even though he wasn't sure he was going to get out of it dead or alive. It didn't matter to him. He chose to believe that God was in it and that God had given the enemy into their hands and he was going to go for it because he knew the outcome was in God's hands, not in his. That's just a powerful story. Our faith is anchored to God's character. Last week we touched on this question and it was a, I wanted to save it for this week for this, for this very purpose. You know, why, does it, why is it impossible to please God without faith? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever think about that? I do. I think about it all the time. Why is it, when, when, when the word impossible is in use, it always kind of intrigues me. Why are things impossible? I, we touched on it a little bit because faith is relational, not a bargaining to. It's not currency. Faith is a loyal connection to his heart. Faith is walking with him in covenant commitment, following his ways, his purposes, everything that is connected to who he is. It's impossible because we need to be connected to him to have faith. To have faith. Let's look at Hebrews 6 again. And without faith it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's take apart this scripture. And without. The word without means to separate from, to be alone, and be by oneself. The word faith, the Greek word meant moral conviction, trust. And the Hebrew, we just, it's, it's really committed faithfulness. Imuna. It is impossible, unable to, weak, to please. means to be active, intentional. There's an intentional effort to, to please him. For whoever would draw near, those two words draw near, both words mean to come close, but with an attitude and a desire to worship. To God must believe. And the, again, these two words work together. Both words means that this is a final commitment. There's no more debate about it. I am not going to enter into a debate about this. It is, it is done in my mind, in my spirit. That he exists and that he rewards. That word rewards means one who gives out generously. Those who seek, crave diligently looks for and seeks early. This is an active pursuit of who God is. I love to take apart scripture because what happens, is I, I read the scripture this way now, and I see that my faith is a, is a whole lot more, this is a leap into nothingness. We jump out of darkness into light. We always jump out of darkness into light. And faith is relational. It's full of reason, discernment, knowledge, and wisdom. See, there was a, even though we might not agree with his strategy, Jonathan had a lot of strategy in, in that story. It's okay to have strategy and faith work together. 
The combination of belief, experiences, action, and confidence are components of a mind that has been transformed to think like Christ. This verse is not about God's disapproval with our faith deposits. It's telling us that without an active pursuit of God's heart and worshiping Him in spirit and truth, faith is not possible. But the rewards of such a pursuit are, is off the charts. Look for a minute. Uh, we're going to look at uh, Psalm 84, 11. I'll read this for you. For the Lord God is a sun, brilliant, full of light, and a shield, protector, defender. The Lord bestows, gives without fail, favor, grace, kindness, and honor. That word honor means weight. There's weight to what God gives us. There's something that's substantial. Whatever faith is, substantial is the substance. No good thing does he withhold. Nothing hinders God in giving. For those who walk, and that means a walk, that, that word uh, walk means walk alongside with. <laughs> love it, love it. Uprightly, faithfully, and with integrity. So I think the greatest reward here that the scripture is talking about, the greatest reward is, is Father God himself, is knowing him in, in a freer way that enables us to jump that little stinking three-foot-high fence that's kept us prisoner for so long. We not only jump over it, we run right through it because we realize that nothing can hinder God from saving by few or by the many. The outcome is in his hands. We trust him with the outcome. We trust Him with the outcome. So then a leap of faith is really not about where you're going to land. It's about where you stand. Ephesians six eleven says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The words stand against imply a military stance for uh, holding a position that is under attack. Are we under attack every day in every way? We are under attack. We need faith. We need faith. This word also implies courage and steadfastness. There's that word steadfastness again. To hold the ground because of a fierce loyalty to the one who has asked us to hold the ground. The king has asked us to stand. Which means that we are what? Able to. Because the king doesn't ask us to do something that he's not already prepared us to do. Because nothing can hinder him from saving by few or by the many. And to hold that ground despite the fear and the circumstances of that battle. Faith depends on God's strength and uses his armor. We must take the initiative to put on the armor and to stand firm in the battle because we love the king. It's not a matter of letting go and letting God when you're passive and God does everything. Nor is it a matter of gritting your teeth and doing it yourself with an occasional aid by God. No, no, no. It's a blending of of his power and our following him with everything that we have. Colossians 1.29, Paul says, For this I toil, struggling with all the energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the change of direction and energy that a collision of faith and fear that God desires towards him and standing for him. That's the change of direction. When faith and fear collide, and it is a collision, and it changes our direction and our energy, uh, faith changes it towards him. Oswald Chambers says this of faith. Faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God, whose ways you may not understand at the time. It is time to hear his voice. It's time to climb up some rocks. <laughs> it's time to kick down some puny little fences that have, that have trapped us. It's time to knock them down. There is no doubt Father wants us free, and faith is freedom. If you remember anything else from this past two weeks, faith is freedom. That's what it is.